This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham, it is a Wednesday. The pre-power hour is upon us, and Curtis Strange will be next on the tee in about 15 minutes. Mm. 844-SAY-ACCN <laughs> is the number for the program. We continue to stream live on the ESPN app. And Wes and I are about ready to step in it, as they say, because it's time for a little accounting, Mr. Durham. Yeah, this is off-season accounting. Hazardous pay, for sure, because with the Clemson and Florida State baseball jobs open, we kind of kicked around an idea of if you had to sort out the 10 best jobs in the ACC – like if you just gave somebody a list and said, I want you to take the 10 best head coaching jobs in the ACC, take everything to account, budget, resources, fan base, intensity, uh, prestige, all that stuff, cobble together the list. That was basically the assignment, right? Well, the, well, the way you phrased it is differently than how I approached it. I approached it as the most desirable job. That's right. Not head coach right. jobs. Desirable jobs. It's different. So, tag your it, Mr. Durham. I'll allow you to go first in accounting. Now, we have not compared All lists. Right. As we, we never compare That's lists. That's correct. So, I'm curious to see where you go on this thing. All right. Packer's going to get mad, but here we go. Uh, number one is Clemson Oh, football. look at you. Look <clears throat> at you. A, B, C, D. That is, before you even get started, that's weak. What is this A, B's and what, what is that all about? Well, Carolina and Duke have oh, basically proven please. to be the best jobs in basketball. But to me, the separation and desirability is exactly the same. Florida State, Miami, and football falls in the same category. Slightly ahead of Virginia Tech football, Virginia basketball, Syracuse and Louisville basketball, and NC State football. I think I think those jobs, especially toward let me let me add this. In the last decade, Tony Bennett has made Virginia basketball one of the most desirable coaching jobs in the country, let alone the ACC. And I think Dave Doran's done the same thing at NC State. Not you knew they always had a great fan base. But now from a resource, facility standpoint, success rate, I think NC State football is also in the top 10 of most desirable coaching jobs in the ACC. But if you're talking about desirable jobs, Clemson one, Duke Carolina basketball two, Florida State Miami three, Virginia Tech right behind them. (sighs) Told you, you're getting mad. Told you. Set it going in. 2C, 4F, 8J. What is that garbage? Ah. That is pure garbage. Now, I don't, listen, you haven't seen my list. That's my list. I know it's your list, list. and I'm ripping it. And I I don't really have a problem with what you put on the list. I don't. You're gonna, you're getting ready to find out. My problem is you, Kind of copping out with the A's and the B's. You gotta pick, man. You've got to pick. 
It's your list. It doesn't mean okay. it's right or wrong. It's your list. And if they want to put it on social media and people rip you, hey, who cares? Who simply cares? Right. All right, here we go. There's no A's and B's and C's and D's. I give you the list. Numero uno, Duke men's basketball. Private school. Got banners. Got cash. Got prestige. You got the whole deal. Number two, North Carolina men's basketball. Public. Got cash. You got prestige. You got banners. You got tradition. You got history. Number three, Clemson football. It's bigger than life. Dabo's taking it to a different degree. Got more season tickets than anybody. You got the biggest stadium. You got all that cool stuff. You got Tiger Rag. Oh, drop. You got all that stuff. Tigers are at the three spot. I went Miami four. You know why? Yeah, they got tradition. They got history. They got banners. And now they've got a commitment. Now they got money. Now they got cold, hard cash. And you know what? I'm buying it. I'm liking it. Mm-hmm. They're giving Mario Cristobal eight mil per staff I love. So guess what? I expect Miami to get back on the fast track. So I put them in the four spot. Maybe a little surprising. I got Louisville men's basketball at five. I keep telling you, they must be good. Not need to be. Must be good for ACC basketball. Tradition, history, great arena. They got one of their own running the show. I'm buying Louisville at the five spot. Six, Florida State football. And if you're a Florida State fan going, Pac, how can you put us behind Miami? Well, I just did. You know what? They're paying their coach $8 million. That's why. Florida State, still buying them. Want to get them back. I keep telling you that Florida State's one of those teams in the league that needs to be good. Tradition, history, Heismans, Natties, Chief Renegade, Cool Unis, the whole deal. Virginia men's basketball, Wes, I'm with you at the seventh spot. Same thing what you just talked about. Tony Bennett's elevated that program. The facility's fantastic. They expect to win, and I expect Virginia basketball in 22-23 to get right back in the conversation with everybody and their brother back. Number eight is like number six, like number four. You know what that means? Miami, Florida State, Virginia Tech. If you had a dollar for every time I'm about ready to tell you this, you'd be in Italy. They have to be good for the league. (laughs) They have to be good. Miami, Florida State, Virginia Tech need to be good for the conference. Hokie Nation, Enter Sandman, Coach Beamer. You know what I'm talking about. Number nine, Syracuse. Who else got 25000 waiting to win again? Jim Beheim's built a monster. It's been kind of dormant, in my opinion. Been kind of flat of late. I expect him to be back. Recruiting class is out of sight. And number 10 could have been anybody. Number 10, I thought about NC State, mm-hmm. but the reason I put Pitt there is number one, Pat Narduzzi has been to a New Year's Day Six Bowl and he's got an ACC championship. That trumps NC State. Yeah. But I could have put the Wolfpack in the 10 spot because I'm buying what you were saying, Wes. Carter Finley, the fan base, what Dave Dorn's building, the momentum, all that makes sense. So that so was, mm-hmm. yeah, all of that. All of that. So, again, we're, our lists are pretty similar, quite frankly, other than you copping out with the A's and the B's and the C's. But I'm not done. Since you went A's, B's, Uh-oh. and C's, I went honorable mention. Honorable mention, because I looked upon this assignment as ACC's most desirable jobs, not necessarily head coaches, right? So I went desirable jobs with my approach 
And so I gave you some honorable mentions for the list that didn't quite make the cut. How about hosting this show? <laughs> Come on, man. Who's got it better than us? The answer is nobody. Please, hosting Packer and Durham's got to be on the list. Flying the shoe blimp. I am a perfect two for two. Flying the shoe blimp in Greensboro. Even though the Virginia Cavalier banner might have caught a little of the uh, propeller last year. Uh, the driving of the Chariot of Champions in South Bend. Compliments of our commissioner, Commissioner Phillips, that made all that happen. Uh, we led NC State to victory, which went on to become a national championship, hence the Chariot of Champions. And by the way, if you want to do coaches, anybody with a rowing or crew team, a crew team in this league, you have the ultimate job jumping on a shell, getting on a lake, and going fast. So there, oh, here we go. The original oh, shoe blimp. Man, really? This was the original. One step for man, one giant leap for ACC Network. There it is. And there's a guy trying to tell me how to operate it like I didn't know what I was doing. That thing, man, that was sweet. Flying the infamous shoe blimp. Wester, I thought yeah. I was going to crash this, this thing year. at this point in time. Here we are. Chair of Champions, Eric McLean, running solo, running and playing the role of uh, Chester, riding shotgun. And uh, we eventually found the uh, Virginia Tech uh, cross-country team, offered them some Halloween treats. That was all good. Driving across sweet. the tee box there. What yeah, that's that about? Right. Yeah, that's all right. It's not Brookline. Nobody got hurt. Chair of Champions, yeah. South Bend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I nice. can see somebody tee box driving at Brookline. That'd be big today. Nice. Uh, it was a nice, brisk morning in South Bend. About uh, forty-five degrees, yeah. raining, wind blowing. West Durham, nowhere to be found. Yeah, and we took care of business. Chair to champion. So there it is. Our lists are actually quite similar, believe it or not. Quite similar. Yep. There you go. Uh, fun exercise. But on the other side, we get to a legend. Any way you want to talk about it. Curtis Strange won the United States Open twice. Back-to-back years, 1988 and 1989. There's that Nike shirt you were talking about, Pack. Yeah. Old-school Nike. Last time they were Brookline, a Demon Deacon won the trophy. We'll talk to Curtis Strange next when Packer and Durham continues in a moment on ACC Network. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Wednesday. Biggest event in the world is going to be on the links. John Mita Perel was with us yesterday. He was going on out to Brookline. Can't wait to see what the U.S. Open looks like. And who better to break it down than a guy that's had just a little bit of success, not only, success, not only at the event, but at this golf course, Wes. You know, you know, here's the funny thing. This might be the first guest that we've had on this show who's probably more familiar with Billy and Woody and not Mark and West, don't you think? I mean, that, this guy this guy was owning it when Billy and Woody were rolling. Uh, Curtis Strange, two-time U.S. Open champion. Helps her. <laughs> you know, no, no. At least, no, man, at you least can't. I'm the last living champion at the country club that's a good thing <laughs> that's true <laughs> that, that is true by the way hey, uh let, let, go ahead Wes you lead I was gonna say Curtis next time we see you can do you still have any of the 
the cotton Nike shirts with the swoosh on. I mean, because we see some of those pictures. I got to tell you, man, I miss those old cotton hard collar Nike shirts with the swoosh on them. You know, I don't think I don't think cotton is in existence anymore, is it? It's, it's, you know, those things at the country club was hot in '88, really, really hot. In fact, when those things got you know weighed down with sweat, they weighed eight pounds, and the sleeves extended three inches. So, uh, thank goodness we have performance material now. Yeah, there's no doubt. By the way, yeah. speaking of performance, uh, this golf course is you know for all of us old school dudes that love the old links. Uh, Curtis, how pure is this golf course as far as the traditional U.S. Open track? It, it, it's it's it. I mean, this is this is the poster child for just that. It's you know, for those who don't know, this is one of the five original USGA golf clubs uh, back in the 1800s. Uh, it's changed a little bit since then, but not a lot. Uh, it's rugged on the outside of the ropes, rock outcroppings, high tall fescue. Uh, it's a country club. It's a ski place. It's, it used to be a skeet shooting, ice skating in the winter, cross country skiing, horse racing, and and then golf. Mm-hmm. So uh, now it's become one of the elite places for U.S. Open venue, and it's just it's spectacular. It's 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 beautiful. That it's it's old style, which means what does that mean? It means you lay the golf course on the land. You didn't move the land to build a golf course, and. Beautiful clubhouse, old historic place. It's just, um, uh, I'm going up this morning for a couple of days. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be fantastic. When you walk on the grounds there, what comes back to mind first about 88 and winning the Open there? Uh, The beauty of the place and shortly behind that, the people. Um, Mm. I've said all along, to everyone that and especially Monday uh, you know the Boston Boston gathering gathered a little southern boy uh, playing against Nick and nothing against Nick Faldo the current open champion from England um, they they were terrific uh, they came out Boston strong and I will always be indebted uh, they uh, they were they were just something special and it's it's that's one of my great memories Curtis, it seemed like that golf course, given its style and the way you played, were kind of a perfect match. I mean, it's fairways and greens, right? A four is a good score for, for folks that are in this day and age or used to guys winning at 25 under par on a typical PGA Tour weekend. Man, you make a par on that track, hey, you get to the next tee as fast as you can. Fairways and greens, it was kind of like a perfect fit with your game. Well, it's it, it, and not only that, but it, it it's got some quirky little dog legs, and which means if you just have some movement from right to left or left to right, you just can't bomb across the corner because the fairways play tighter. So, you know, you've got to you've got to play proper shots off the tee, drive it when you can, three wood it when you can, four wood it when you can, anything to put it in the fairway because it's not an overly long golf course, and and that's that's how I learned to play U.S. Open golf courses. Number one priority was to put it in the fairway. And then you played from there. And especially with these greens that are so small, if you come out of the short rough or the long rough, it's very, very difficult to put it on these surfaces. So, you know, the averages over 72 holes is the guy that, you know, the guy that puts it in the fairway more often. And then, therefore, he has chances to hit more greens and make more putts. So, But that's true with every, every U.S. Open golf course, but especially so here at the Country Club. Well, it's interesting, too, because you won back-to-back Opens, first since Hogan to do it, and the next year you won at Oak Hill. 
And there's similarities, I guess, between these two golf courses. But at the same time, here comes, and I'll just bring Justin Thomas to the surface here because it's a guy who just won the PGA at Southern Hills by his ability, for the most part, to hit the ball in the fairway, seemingly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and, and Southern Hills, obviously, the modern golf course is, is longer. Uh, but, you know, are there similarities between Oak Hill and the country club? Um, you know, a few, the way they set up the golf course. The golf courses themselves are are different in that just the layout, mm. uh, the lay of the land, the look of the land, uh, the size of the greens are a little bit bigger. But let's not forget, most of the old golf courses were small greens and very slopey greens. Mm. That was to get the water off the greens. And the greens were running about six or seven or eight on the step meter, so slopey greens had no effect on the speed and where you could put a hole location. But now with they're running 13 on the step meter, which is very fast, you know, you can't put in positions in certain places. So anyway, the, the, whole, the whole architect scheme and design business has changed much over the years. But if you had me want to play a, a golf course, you know, for the last time in my life, I'd pick one of the great old U.S. Open golf courses because that's the way it started. And I like the history of the game. Curtis, I was going to go there with you, not to go too philosophical in course design, but equipment, the ball, the physicality of the player now. They're so athletic. Uh, guys are just pounding it, right? I mean, golf courses can't aren't really long enough anymore for these guys. They just they bomb it over everything. It is cool to go back to a place like this or a place like Marion. I mean, is it crazy to think that golf could actually go backwards in a sense to kind of slow things down? Or hey, is the future of golf that hey the ball is going to go 350 yards if you know what you're doing, and eventually guys are going to hit it 400 yards, and courses are going to be 8,200 yards in length? I mean, where do you think this goes from a futuristic standpoint? Well, I think I think Corey, you just said it. It's going to keep getting bigger and bigger. It's uh, I read some some transcript from Donald Ross years ago that you know there was a course that was built six thousand yards long, and he was complaining about how that's going to ruin the game. Six thousand hmm. yards, it was too long. So uh, it's just the way it is. It's technology. It's uh, I mean, look at every sport. These guys are so athletic and so big and so strong and so quick, and uh, and it's just and it's the same thing in golf and. Uh, I'm not going to say they're more athletic because some of us think we were decent athletes, <laughs> but they're bigger and stronger and they're taller and they have great, great leverage with the golf swing. You know, you're basically just hitting a, a ball with a stick and the guys are big and tall will do it farther. Uh, can they do it as straight? No, absolutely they can't because the ball, you know, it's just physics. The farther you hit it, the more you're going to, you know, the, the, the offline is going to be farther at 300 yards than it is at 250. But, you know, it's it's still a game of, of trying to get that ball in the hole. And, you know, at the end of the day, low score wins. So it really doesn't matter how they do it, but they're doing it differently than we did it. Uh, I want to go back in our, in our remaining couple minutes here a little bit because we got into most dominating performances uh, discussion here uh, about a week ago. And your Wake Forest team that won the national championship by about 30 shots came up in the discussion to be exact uh, yep. 33 <laughs> yeah that's it 30 33 to be exact um in, in terms of and pack mentioned this in the first hour mark is exactly right too curtis it's great to see wake forest back not only as the men's acc champion but also the women's acc champion this year but when you look back on your college career is a 33 shot win to the national championship 
I mean, it's a heck of a highlight if it's not a, a your best college moment. Period. Yeah, I you know as we all probably say, it was the best three years of my life. Um, you know, because mm-hmm. of college, number one, and number two, I was on a team that was successful, and it's always fun to win. And more importantly than that, we all got along, and that was part of the reason we played well. Uh, we rooted for each other. Coach Jesse had it. You know, had us bond as a team, and team was number one, individuals number two, and uh, that was tough for us to, to grasp as a freshman. But it was team number one there at Wake, and and we bought into it, and we just we played well. And you know, I went in there. I didn't know if I had the ability to play at Wake Forest University. You don't know when you go in as a freshman, and I didn't know these other young men, and 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 we just all of a sudden you know helped each other out we improved and the key was is that we were I was playing and didn't know it at the time I was playing against two or three of the best players in the country every single jet day and Bob Byman and Jay Haas mm-hmm. and David Thor which was the nucleus of our team and if you don't improve there you don't have the ability to play the game and so it was the greatest three years of my life both academically and socially and and on the golf course it, it was such a big big part of my you know you know career and uh it was great fun and to win like that it was more importantly because we bought in as a team it was more importantly that we won uh we won for the second time in a row uh, and uh it was it was just a it was a dream week um we just we just waxed them and, and we showed that we were good and and jay won the individual and i guess and then the third year we lost we had back and we lost and that was as, as great a thrill as winning by 33 was, it was a, just as big a disappointment the next year, but mm. those things happen. Curtis, before we talk about uh, this week and what you like, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Jesse Haddock, who, by the way, was the guy that gave me my first set of clubs uh, there in Winston-Salem. And, man, what a <laughs> legendary coach. What an incredible person. Uh, give me a, a Jesse Haddock story. Is something you could tell on the air. I mean, there's, I know you got a thousand of them because he was such a character <laughs> and such a brilliant coach. But give me a Jesse Haddock story. Well, he was he was a legendary person. Uh, you know, coach. He he was he didn't play golf very well, and so he couldn't do anything with that, which is a good thing. But he, he disciplined us. He got us in the you know focused in the right direction as young kids. You can you know what eighteen and nineteen year olds act like in college. I mean, we, we they finally got the leash off of us, and they, we were running crazy like a, a kid with a puppy fit. So, uh, uh, you know, I I held on every word. You know, we we joked about coach and some of his his Jesseisms and things like that. You know, don't eat on the golf course, walk on your heels to slow down, grip grip a man tightly to show who's dominant. I mean, things like that 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 made sense. You laughed at him. But he's always giving you these little tidbits, and you had to listen to all of his 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 mess sometimes because it'd be a diamond in the rough somewhere in that five minute dissertation of BS, you yeah. know. So yeah. it was he was terrific, and he was terrific for me, and you know he became like a second dad, and and I hung on every word. Now mm. stories, oh, the stories are about <laughs> just it's uh, uh, I, I you know the the, the the one time he was at a stoplight and. A Harley guy was beside him, and he kind of gave him some grief. And next thing you know, the Harley guys pulled him out the side of the window. And you know, let's <laughs> just say that they'd had a couple. He and Bill Jordan had a couple of cocktails, and so it's just the, the stories are endless. But he was he was terrific. Sure was great man, no doubt. 
Yep, he was. All right. So, if there's an ACC player in the field this week that has a chance to win at Brookline, I'm actually going to lean kind of toward Wake Forest. I mean, is it time for a player like Cameron Young or maybe even a crafty veteran like Webb Simpson to step forward here? Curtis, who do you like from the ACC at Brookline? Will Zalatoris. I like Will Zalatoris. Yeah. Uh, he's shown yeah. that he has what it takes on, on that stage. You know, he plays so well. He's a good master. He's a good master. He's a good master. He's a good Long, straight, for that being a long, great iron player, and has it all. Well, so Cameron Young is, is still breaking into this tour. So I think he's a rookie this year, but he's played exceptionally well this year. Uh, but I think you got to get on that stage more than once. And he was on the stage of the PGA, but more than once. And I think you mm-hmm. also learn how to play a U.S. Open golf course, how to discipline yourself to put it back in the fairway. Uh, Webb hasn't been playing his best golf, but certainly has the ability because he won uh, some years ago at uh, uh, at Olympic. So, uh, But I think Will has everything you need to win uh, anywhere in the world, um, and he's shown that. And it wouldn't surprise anyone uh, if he if he came through this week. Curtis, uh, out of respect to you, uh, for somebody that loves the game of golf, um, we went all 15 minutes without asking about this new tour. And uh, I, I hope you take that. You know that. what? I thought we were going to get through it, but I know we're not. So go no, ahead. no. No, I'm not. I don't want to even ask you about it because I am sick and tired of talking about it. Like I say all the time, everybody's got a price. You do what you got to do. But you know what? The PGA Tour has been pretty good to everybody in terms of giving you the opportunity to make yep. a gazillion dollars if you're good enough to earn it. And uh, I can't wait to watch the golf at a traditional golf course this weekend. And you really are the perfect guy to talk to regarding Brookline and the U.S. Open. And we always appreciate the time. Well, thanks for having us. For everybody listening, you know, do yourself a favor and watch this week. It's Brookline is one of those places that you never forget. Uh, It's historic. It's going to, you know, give us a great champion and a great uh, championship. And uh, I love the place. Like I said, I'm going up here this morning for a couple of days, and I can't wait to see the golf course. Always a pleasure. There you go. Curtis Strange. Thank you, Thanks, man. bud. Appreciate it. Let's do it again. You bet. Right, bye. You bet. Curtis Strange, ESPN golf analyst. Terrific. Great to have him on the show this morning, Pac. Yep. When we come back, two-a-days with Carolina. Adam Lucas, GoHeels.com, and co-host of the Carolina Insider joins us next on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Appreciate Curtis Strange joining us. Fairways and greens, Wes. U.S. Open. These are the kind of tracks I like. Rough's about two centimeters. Two centimeter rough. Two centimeters. um, Tight fairways, tiny greens, super fast, slopes. Yeah. I like watching guys shoot 78 and just go, man, I had a 7-iron in my hand. I just couldn't. I just got to hit the shot. But uh, Curtis Strange, man, uh, in his prime, fairways, greens, he was a grinder. He mentally tough. He was, he was nasty. Boy, he was good. Could he play? Let me tell you this. Uh, we're lucky to get Curtis Strange, and I think we're going to be lucky to get Adam Lucas back. Of course, he's joined us before. GoHeels.com, co-host of the Carolina Insider. And there he is. also – Travel baseball savant in the summer. Yeah, 
How's that going so I mean, far? You, you've been out on the road yet? Look, I don't want you guys to get jealous, but in the upcoming three to four weeks, I'm going to go to Hoover, Alabama. I'm going to go to Marietta. And I'm going to head down there to that Emerson, Georgia, Lake Point area that I know one of you knows very well. So, yeah, we'll be tearing up 85 here in the next month or so. I got to be honest with you. I've been to Hoover, uh, and I'm not jealous at all, to be honest with you. I'll be completely content here in the basement. You can have Hoover in, in the mall. And uh, I've done that SEC media yeah. clown show, and uh, I, I'll let you have Hoover. I'll yeah. just stay here in Charlotte. But uh, yeah. everything else sounds like uh, okay. you have a good time with it. Well, that's okay because I've got all my answers ready today in like 2A, 3B, 4F format. Because I know why you got to be that guy. I mean, seriously. Why you got to be that guy? I mean, you, you do a list, and it's like, hey, you got to rank them one through 10. There is no A's and B's and C's and D's. You rank them one through 10. All right. That's the way it works. I'm with you. Sometimes, you know sometimes what? they're just close. You can't separate them. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. Hey, and then last there are time some, you two cats were in the same. And then there Last are time times you two that you were in the same room was at Mothers in New Orleans. Well, that's Y'all fine. Don't know anything. That's, got, got, that's, got, that's got nothing to do with this conversation. That has zero to do with this conversation. You know what? You come up with a list, you rank them. One, two. It's not like the AP poll comes out and goes, well, we got one A, we got one B, we got one C, and then we got the fourth ranked team. No, you rank them. One, two, three, four, five, whatever the number happens to be. It's not that hard. Yeah. Simply not that I don't that think hard. I realized right. this was such a hot-button issue until this morning. I'm glad that now uh, I'm well aware of this. Well, oh. Wes has pulled this yeah. stunt too many times for my liking. Too many times for my You rank them. There's none of this Duke and Carolina or A and B. No, one's ahead of the other, and maybe it flip-flops next week. But this week, you got to rank them. It's the way we would do it. All okay. right, let's get to football. There we go. Let's get to North Carolina uh, Tar Heel football. Adam, we had Gene Chizik on yesterday, and I look, his return is a rejuvenating piece, I think, for what they are defensively, and Charlton Warren goes without saying a terrific coach. But this entire August, and I, I don't think I'm stretching this, the entire August camp leading up to Florida A&M in week zero is going to be about quarterback, is it not? It, it kind of feels like it. I'm glad that after Coach Chiswick was on yesterday that you guys could finally get somebody on who can know a little football and give you some actual insight. Thank goodness uh, that I was here for that. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that'll be the main story every day. You've got Drake May. You've got Jacoby Criswell. And one of those two guys is going to take the first snap against Florida A&M, but we don't know who that's going to be right now. I do think there's a pretty good chance you could see them both. Uh, but because of because his name is Drake May. I think everyone sort of assumed that it was going to be Drake May. But then you watch spring ball. I tell you what, Jacoby Criswell is pretty good, too. Uh, so I do think that's a legitimate battle to see who takes that first snap. Adam, I get a sense, uh, not only talking with Gene Chizik yesterday, but other North Carolina folks, that what happened to this football team a year ago should be a catalyst for the spring and the summer. I mean, listen, a year ago, huge expectations, Heisman contender, Sam Howe, preseason top 10. This is a year North Carolina's going to win the ACC title for the first time since 1980, yada, yada, yada. And it just didn't work. I mean, just for whatever reason, it just did not work. And it started week one in Blacksburg. I got to figure with the way Mac Brown's recruited, the talent that really truly is on campus, and I know the quarterback thing we discussed here, it's got to be a catalyst for this team to go, guess what? We're not going to go through that again 
every day in spring, every day in summer, we've got to work to get better to get to where we want to be in 22. I think that's right. And also, I think because of the way last season ended, I mean, three of those last four games were just horrendous losses, uh, including the one that everybody remembers the best, the one over at NC State where things just fell apart, that I think really changed the way you felt about the season from a fan's perspective. If you just flip that one, it feels a little different, but that is not what happened. And that's a big part of the reason why Gene Chizik is here. It felt kind of like, and I know you guys remember this, uh, in Mac Brown 1.0, at the end of the 94 season, the Tar Heels just had some really poor defensive performances and Coach Brown decided this just isn't the way Carolina's gonna play anymore. Didn't change coordinators, but changed essentially what they were coordinating. Uh, and Carl Torbush comes back with a much more aggressive scheme and Carolina uh, gets uh, about as good as it's ever been in that 96-97 time frame. Now, the, the thing about that was they had about the best players they've ever had in that 96-97 time frame on defense. And now it's time to see if some of these recruits who have been so highly touted on the defensive side of the ball, if they're those types of players this season, then the Carolina defense is going to naturally improve. Uh, but I think the, the well, number one thing – Coach Chiswick did when he walked in the door was just simplify things. There's too much looking around at each other when the ball was snapped last year. Get out there and tackle the guy who's got the ball. Okay, you mentioned the recruiting. Uh, and in doing the spring game, it was interesting. I mean, this is the defensive line alone. Five-star recruit, four-star recruit, number eight overall, uh, number two overall, number one defensive end, uh, four-star recruit, top 25 defensive end. Uh, I mean, Adam, it, that's just one area of the defense. That's not the linebackers in the secondary. That's just the front. Isn't it time for recruiting conversion to take place on some of this at Carolina? Exactly. It's time for those guys to play. It's time for someone like Miles Murphy, who had a good year last year. He was honorable mention All-ACC to really take that step and be the guy who is a game-changing type of player. Uh, and Carolina's got some depth. I mean, you've got a, a player like Ray Vahasek, who's a nice depth player to have, who knows how to make plays and has played at the ACC level. But he's not going to have to play 60, 70 snaps this year, you wouldn't think, uh, because Carolina's got some depth. And if those players are capable of playing to the level at which they were rated coming out of high school, and if Gene Chizik and the rest of the defensive coaches can get them comfortable at, at an ACC speed, then it, it, the defense has got to be better. Look, anybody who watched Carolina play defense last year knows that that was not good. This year's got to be better, and it starts with the young players being able to contribute on a high level. Uh, the flip side, too, up front on the offensive line, I mean, Sam Howe, as talented as he is, uh, he was on his back a bunch. And I, I know a lot of folks say, well, he's holding the ball too long. I mean, everybody had a reason for what was going on. But, I mean, when you give up almost 50 sacks uh, up front, you've got to be better in 22. What do you think about the offensive line? I think that was another situation where it just felt like change would be better. And it, it worked mm -hmm. out that that's what happened. I don't know that that necessarily was the plan, but now you've got Jack Bignell Jr. in there with a slightly different scheme. But I do think he's a little more comfortable with the type of offense that Phil Longo wants to run, Carolina's offensive coordinator. They just mesh a little better. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the line's going to have a little better sense of what they're doing. Tar Heels have brought in a couple of graduate transfers who are going to compete for some time there. 
Carolina doesn't really have the the depth of star power on the offensive line that we just talked about up front on defense, but they've got some players who have played and who are capable uh, and figuring out which five of those guys best protect whoever's standing back there taking the snaps. Uh, a big part of Carolina's offense, because other than Josh Downs, as, as I'm sure we're going to talk about, Carolina doesn't really have those big-time playmakers that they've had the last couple of years at this point in the season. We don't know who they are yet. All right, that, that brings me to the Downs question. That is the known commodity offensively. We talked at the top about sorting out quarterback. Feels like the running back situation somehow or another is going to take care of itself as August unfolds. It looks like, I mean, George Petaway looked like a nice ad as a freshman. I mean, you got kind of waiting on Caleb Hood, DJ Jones, British Brooks, all had moments. But Josh Downs is the known commodity for this football team, and you know, Pack and I were talking about it in the spring. Could be one of the best wide receivers in the country by the year end. And a big part of that quarterback question may be answered by who gets most comfortable with downs. Uh, because that that is option one, two, and three on offense until proven otherwise. Carolina's got some other receivers around them. They feel pretty good about Antoine Green right now, who's taken a while to come around. Uh, but looks like he might be ready to have the kind of year that everybody's expected. You got a couple really young receivers who, again, are supposed to be talented, but how does that translate to ACC competition? It's going to be about Josh Downs. How can you creatively get him the ball when everyone in the conference knows you want to get him the ball? Uh, And can he stay healthy for the entire season? Carolina was lucky last year with him, Uh, but this year he's going to be the focal point, much like Sam Howell was last year. So uh, a lot of competition in camp to see who can be that guy who can take a little bit of the pressure off of him. Adam, when you look at the schedule, and I always like asking this question to folks that really know their team. When you look at the schedule here in June without knowing anything else, and it could change, but if I ask you this question in August, you may change and have a totally different answer. What's the game? What's the game that pops at you that you say, you know what, we're going to know something about this football team, about what direction is it, whether it's an ACC championship team, whether it's a Coastal Division champ, whether it's, hey, are we going to a bowl, or whether it's another struggle season? I mean, you tell me, what's the game that pops on this schedule to you? You don't have to look far. It's right there, Labor Day weekend nope. at Appalachian State. And I think yep. a couple things. I, th- I think one uh, one of the best moves Mac Brown made was moving that Florida A&M game up to week zero because I think if Carolina had had a week zero game last year before going to Virginia Tech, that game and probably the whole season turn out differently. You need that game, especially breaking in a new quarterback, to get your feet under you. But then you got to go to Boone, and those folks have been looking forward to this game since birth. And also they're a good team, which is a little bit of a problem mm-hmm. because they came to Chapel Hill and beat the Tar Heels a couple of years ago and would it would make their lives to do it again, especially with Carolina in town. And kind of inexplicably, Carolina's been bad away from Keenan Stadium. They need to go on the road and win, and they also need to win an early season game. Look, anybody who loves Carolina football knows it's been kind of tough to be a Carolina football fan because early in the year – the Tar Heels tend to drop these types of games and you get all fired up and it's football season. Let's do it. Really excited to see the Tar Heels. And then they take a loss there early in the first couple weeks and uh, kind of lose that enthusiasm. If Carolina can go beat Appalachian State, which I understand they're, they're not an ACC team, then you're probably looking at 3-0, and getting ready with a week off to play Notre Dame. That's a great scenario to go out and learn something about your team. All right, here, here let me offer you this. If you go three and zero and not two and one in those first three games, Adam, 
I think it could change potentially the dynamic of the rest of the year because not only are you going to Appalachian to play, you're then going to go to Atlanta and play at Old Turner Field, which is Center Park Stadium or something. I, I Forgive me, Charlie Cobb, the AD. I don't know exactly the corporate tag. But you're going to go play two of the better Sunbelt teams in back-to-back weeks. The problem is nobody knows those are two of the better Sunbelt teams. So 3-0 and 2-1 and feels a world of difference to me than getting the week off before Notre Dame. I wonder how many ACC coaches would be really excited if you told them two of your first three are going to be on the road and they're going to be at opponents that everybody thinks you should beat because they really don't know anything about them. Uh, And Georgia State looked bad when they were in Chapel Hill recently, and they're not that bad. They're actually a pretty good squad, kind of like Appalachian State. And so those – yes, you're right. The 3-0 coming out of that stretch would feel great because then – then you can play with house money a little bit against Notre Dame, uh, and you've got that whole extra week to get ready. But the Tar Heels have got to be better away from Keenan Stadium this year because that has been a troublesome trend. You're right about that. Mm-hmm. Listen, always a pleasure. Uh, only 70-some-odd days till we kick this bad boy off, and he can't get here fast enough. <laughs> I'm looking forward to driving by Turner Field probably here in the next couple weeks. It's right on the way to East Cobb. Really looking forward to it. Well, have to- <laughs> Have fun in Hoover. Hopefully the mall's open. <laughs> well, that should be the tourism slogan. Come to Hoover. Hopefully the mall's open. That's it. You know, it's, a, well, you know, it, it's really a whole, pretty place. I, I'm giving it a hard time, but, uh, you yeah. know, it's a nice place to visit for a day. Well, Thanks, Adam, guys. just I remember really the hotel it. where they – you bet. Good to see you. Pack remembers the slogan. It's where European elegance meets Southern hospitality right there at the old Winfrey, right, Pac? Yeah, and, and let me tell you something. Yeah. I know about Southern hospitality, <laughs> and I've seen European elegance, and let me tell you something. That is not Hoover, <laughs> Alabama. Not even close. All right. Thank you, Adam. Be well. See you soon. Uh, when Thanks, we Adam. come back, and not a moment too soon, uh, apparently, uh, I think the voice of victory has returned, Pack for another world-famous edition of Over Under. Oh, boy. That's next on ACC Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham, it's a Wednesday. 844-SAY-ACCN. We don't mess around. We're going right up to Bristol, Connecticut, home of the smart people. It's time for a little Over and Under with the one and only... The voice of victory, of Josh <laughs> Macri. Hello. We How's can't, it going? We can't see you, but we hear now you. you. There you are. Oh. There I am. Uh, Whoa, is that, wait, is that a Savannah Bananas hat? Bet your rear end it is. Over. <laughs> well, that's yeah, true, true. True, false. <laughs> Hi, low. That is awesome. Yeah, it well is. done. Thanks. Savannah Bananas. Nice. Okay. Over under one day ago that I got a Savannah Bananas hat just for this occasion. Under. Under. True. How about one hour? <laughs> well, Perhaps over under. Over that, yeah. Okay. Got it. Speaking of nice. America's well pastime. Like yeah, it. thanks. Speaking of America's pastime, Notre Dame playing in the College World Series. True. True. The Irish making their third <laughs> College World Series appearance also in true. program history. True. True. In the two prior appearances, Notre Dame won a total of three games. Over under three wins for Notre Dame in Omaha 
this time around. I'm going to be positive on this. I'm going over. They've got the best team ERA. Hear me out now. I know Texas is the favorite, according to the folks in the desert, and Notre Dame opens up with them on Friday. I'm going over. Why? Pitching, pitching, pitching. It's a big ballpark. We're not going to see 15 runs scored in some of these crazy super regionals. Pitching matters. I'm going over for Notre Dame. How about that? Well, you are optimistic. Um, They have the best team ERA of the eight remaining teams left. The best pitching belongs to Notre Dame. Pitching matters. All right. I will go over as well, Josh. I'm going over. For nice. said reasons. Yeah. Well, right. that actually provides the perfect segue, talking about Notre Dame pitching. They have the best earned run average in the College World Series. True. True. I just said that. I know. True. What is there an echo in this place? True. Yes. Yeah, true. There is. Uh, 3.95 to be exact. Texas, That's meanwhile, right. a 4.18 ERA. Put those numbers together, it's right about eight. So, over under eight runs per game in the series between Notre Dame and Tejas? Uh, under. Yeah, under. Big ballpark. Big ballpark. Not nearly the uh, launching pad that Lindsey Nelson proved to be. Uh, I'm going to go under. Yep, under, under, under. People going to be a little uptight, be a little nervous. Big ballpark, mm-hmm. good pitching, excellent Gotta teams. Got to score early. Texas is the favorite Gotta to win the whole early. thing. According to the experts, Notre Dame's got the best pitching. I go under. All right, from baseball, let's go to football. Yesterday, we uh, saw the – not yesterday, earlier this week, Monday, we saw the launch of the D. Leary Delivers true. campaign. That is true. That is true. true. Call, true. call it a Heisman yeah. campaign if you want, but it is D. Leary Delivers. True. True. No. Devin Leary joins us tomorrow, by the way. That's also true. Yeah. So, obviously, the hope is that Devin Leary is going to be a Heisman finalist. That's kind of the point of the campaign. But over under one and a half ACC quarterbacks who finish in the top five of Heisman voting this coming season. True. Oh. True. No, it's not a true. It's an over under. Over. I'm going to say over as well. We are the league of quarterbacks. I think Leary. Yep. I think Leary will be one, and I think another quarterback will emerge based on his team's success. So you're at least 40% of the top five in Heisman votings will be Atlantic Coast Conference quarterbacks? Two-fifths equals 40%. True. I'm no math major. Yeah. I'm helping Uh, Wes. Neither am I (laughs) in a shocking development. Neither am I. Last one here. We had uh, Claudio Romero. True. We had Claudio Romero, national champ, with us yesterday, talking about spinning a discus on his finger and how long it took him to do so. I'm glad I got spinning a discus out cleanly. But he said he learned to do that in about two months, over under two months for you gentlemen to learn to spin a discus, did it again, on your finger. Uh, It will be uh, over, over for me, only because I'm spending all of my free time learning to speak Italian. And this would fall under Under. the to-do list. So over. 
Under. Now, Under I, two. Man, Wes, you already know how to spin a basketball. Yeah, I was going to say, Wes Durham's spinning right. the basketball is pretty impressive. He likes to showcase that yeah. in public. Uh, so I can vouch for that. <clears throat> yeah. I uh, can also spin a football occasionally, too. So a discus, to me, the balance in the discus, two months, I, I'm going to say he embellishes the two months. I think it didn't take as long as two months for him to learn how to do it. But he does not, and Josh, you brought this up. Pac, you confirmed it. He did not spin it with a lot of velocity. Yeah. It's kind of like the way Claudio feels. It's just smooth and easy, right? Slow and steady. Yeah. Um, Slow and steady. Yeah. I'd like to see him rip one on a spin and see what that looks like. But um, I think I think it would be under two months for me. Yeah, you definitely would be under, and I'm definitely going to be over. It's just not on my to-do list. Not on there. Can I, um, can I say I welcome the voice of victory and Mark Packer in over-under because – it, it it also confuses the listener because Packer and Josh try to beat each other to true as well, which complicates the pool, if you will. And you've never seen this segment before. You turned it on and you said, I thought it was called over and under. And you guys just go true back and forth at each other. We're just confirming. I mean, Macri's on top of it. I hilarious. was just I was just confirming that what he poses as a question Macri. is spot on and accurate. I mean, you don't want to ask a question and not have your facts. The point <laughs> is, guy does his homework, yeah. and he's spot on. Yeah, there it is. That's, I'm just yeah. here for reinforcement only. And and a sharp Savannah bananas hat, newly minted. Savannah true bananas hat. That's true. Yeah, true. true. Thank you. Uh, on the other side, Debbie Antonelli, Link Jarrett, highlight the 9 o'clock hour. We will talk to the head coach of the Irish at 9.30, Debbie Antonelli at 9.15. But when we come back, more of the upsets in the ACC next. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.